had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Had to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and you know what? We're continuing the sports romance miniseries with another uh, classic Ron Shelton movie, uh, uh, Tin Cup, starring Kevin Costner again, uh, Rene Russo, Cheech Marin, Don Johnson, you know, a lot of a lot of really great kind of 90s era character actors that, you know, Linda Hart and Rex Lynn, I mean, all these people that, you know, I remember from my childhood, but like, didn't really like know that I knew them until I saw them as adults and, and kind of going back to these like old movies. But uh, really, really excited. You know, oh, Lou Myers is in this movie. Gosh, um, such a great cast, a really wonderful movie. And, you know, back when I sort of floated the idea of this miniseries, I think it must have been back in like March and April. Um, I kind of put it out there that I was thinking about it. And my guest today was like, I want to do Tin Cup. And uh, I don't know if he remembers that, but six months later, I was like, hey, I have you on my list for this movie. So you better be there. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited because he's, you know, a, a great friend of mine, um, the owner of Ice Cream for Feeks and the host of the Target Audience podcast, Mr. Ben Miller. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, hello. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, oh, I absolutely remember. Okay, there's, nev- there's never there's <laughs> never, a situation where you're like, hey, do you want to talk about Tin Cup? I'm like, yes, I do want to talk about Tin Cup. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a combination of everything I, um, I love in uh, casual life, uh, a film. Yeah. With Rene Russo and golf, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard yeah. To so so you're a golf person. I am very much so. Yes. So do you like play golf, watch golf, both? Like, what's the uh, what's your golf life? Um. So uh, I was never, you know, I didn't know much about golf. Obviously, like growing up until you know Tiger Woods and my high and, and being at my childhood were kind of intertwined because he came up when I was I was probably like. 10 or 11, whenever he first showed up on the scene, I moved overseas and the place where we lived actually had a golf course on it. And, um, it was, it wasn't used very often and, uh, it was a unique kind of experience and we had the opportunity to play it all the time. So we got to play golf all the time and you kind of learn to love it and learn what, what to do with it. And, uh, essentially like, I encourage if anybody has the opportunity to self-teach yourself with friends as as, as a teenager, it's the only way to play golf, in okay. my opinion, just to learn it, to really fall in love with it. Um, and then ever since then, I kind of just have always been in on it. And uh, I, I can I can sit and watch four days worth of golf on TV that I find it, it ex- extremely fascinating. I also it's one of those sports you don't realize how difficult it is until you actually start doing it. Yeah. And yeah. you, you, once you get into it, you're like, man, this is in no way as simple as it, as it possibly can be. And you know, it's, Oh, it's putt, putt wave. No, no. There's, you know, there are people who have been playing it for 40 years who are not that great. I'm not that great either. Um, I, you know, it's not like I'm some scratch golfer or anything like that. I I'm, I'm re- I'll have, I'll have a couple of good shots around, but it's 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 not supposed to be the thing that you're supposed to be professional at. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to be very, very good at it to still enjoy it. And uh, one of the few uh, sports you can actually drink. So um, any any situation where you can have a have a beverage and perform a sporting activity hard to turn down. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really great to hear uh, because golf is one of those sports that I have tried to play and I'm not very good at it. But to be honest, I don't have, I don't think I have the patience for it. Sure. 
So like the few times I've played, I think I was able to like, you know, get really into it for like the first <laughs> few uh, holes, I guess. But um, I 18, I think I was a little bit past my limit because I think the last time I played golf was at my friend's bachelor party. So it was like me and like eight <laughs> others, eight straight guys, you know, <laughs> and they were all really good at golf, you know, like they, they, they like, you know, I, they're really good, at least compared to me. Yeah, they definitely had played it more frequently than I ever have. And I think that like they were kind of losing patience with the fact that like I didn't know what I was doing. And um, <laughs> and I, after a while, I was like, guys, is it OK if I just like drive the cart? Yes. And, like, let you guys drink and just like I'll just like watch and stuff. Just because <laughs> like I was like, I don't I don't want this. Like I didn't want the hold up to be me. Just like not sure what I'm doing. Um, and also I didn't want to like have to have to have them teach me. Cause like, yeah. you know, then it's not fun for that person. I mean, I'm sure it's like fun, but it's like not the kind of vibe they were going for. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, golf is, it's, it's funny because previously I'd golf for, you know, obviously by myself or with my brothers or with friends or something like that. And whenever I'm gone, my wife would be like, I don't know what's taking you so long. It's like, yeah. well, it's, it's just, it's, it's a, like, if you're going at a nice steady pace, it's four hours expect yeah. to be that low then and, and then i started taking my wife with me and she's like oh this is why it takes so long it just does it just takes yeah time. yeah so yeah. yeah like you said it patience wise and it's hard to like you really want to you really you don't want to be like casually playing 18 holes of golf 18 holes of golf is a commitment yeah and yeah it's not something it's kind of casually get into I remember once we were done the 18 rounds, I was like, okay, great. We can have lunch. We can like live a little, but then some of the guys wanted to play another nine. Mm -hmm. uh, but thankfully there was enough that we were able to split off. Yep. So I was like, yep. okay, thank God I'm going to be here for another like three hours. But yeah, it was exactly. fun. Like I enjoyed yeah. being on the green. Like the guys were really good. So I appreciated their skill. Um, but, and I, I do enjoy going to a driving range. Like I like that part of it. I think for me, just the like, the hitting the ball and that kind of seeing how far it goes, that kind of stuff. That's fun for me, but I think the actual like sport of it yeah, um, it, is kind of where I'm, uh, where I'm not in my best moment. And, this, and the stuffiness of it all, like yeah. it's kind of one of the things this movie kind of captures. Yeah. It, yeah. Is the, you know, traditionally, and this is, this movie is pre Tiger Woods. So you, right, you think right. of how the traditional ideas of golf, it's stuffy, uptight very very white and uh refined and even the even like the professional athletes are not necessarily the guys who are like in great shape it's kind of like bowling like you can get guys who are not in the greatest of shape and still be uh, ex uh exemplary at their sport and then the tiger woods kind of came into it opened it up to the masses and it it changed how golfers approach their daily lives and so yeah, when you look at it like that, you're like, oh, let's go to a country club. And it's like, well, well, you know, I don't have clubs. I'll just share clubs. And the country club's like, no, 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 no. You have to have your own clubs and have to have a collared shirt. And all that kind of pretension is kind of the thing that pushed people away from golf. And then Tiger Woods happened and it kind of opened up the world to where it was like, hey, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. actually a sport. Yeah. Um, so where does Tin Cup fall in for you in, as you're you know, growing up? Like, did you, did you first see it because you loved golf or did it introduce you to golf? What's your history with the movie? So I, I had, uh, I had been aware of Tin Cup, but I'd never seen it. Uh, whenever I first, like I, I was, I golfed before I ever okay. saw Tim Cove. So, um, it was on TV a lot whenever that time when I was playing golf and, uh, especially as a teenager, like it, you play, we probably play three, three rounds a week just because mm -hmm. there wasn't much to do. So the best way to keep yourself out of trouble is just go over the golf course. So um, you go, you play three rounds a week and then Tin Cup was on and I'm like, okay, well, I like Kevin Costner and I love Rene Russo. And yeah, and so I kind of get into it and then it, it kind of became a TV staple after a while, mm -hmm. like, Oh, Tin Cup's on like, uh, yeah. and, and, and then you kind of lock into it. And now it's one of those things that I appreciate it for all the stuff that most people probably don't notice about it. Like the, the, yeah, I live in Texas. So the, the Texas aspects of it are all really interesting to me. And the, um, you know, dirty driving ranges and, and various things like that. And, uh, it, it it's, it's, uh, 
it's a it's a very easy watch. So mm-hmm. that's a that's yeah. A, you know, it's 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 not the most serious movie in the world. So it's it's not difficult to be like, oh, tin cups on. It, it, you can focus on it, or it can be in the background while you're doing errands yeah. around the house. Like it, it's yeah. not it's not essential. Like I have to sit down and focus what's going on. But if you look up, you're like, oh, he's, he's about to break all his clubs, or you look down and it's like, okay, here's the, here's the big 18 where he's putting it in the water seven times. And, you know, you can lock into those things or the certain scenes here and there, or, oh, wait, he's, he's about to, you know, uh, battle John, uh, Don Johnson with the seven iron and all this kind of stuff. Like you can, you can lock in and check out at the same time, but at the same time, the whole movie is lush enough that it's, it, it's, uh, it, it captures your attention. Yeah. I yeah this I you know I actually had never seen this movie before mm. um, until this podcast and um, but it's one of those movies that I remember from like I have very strong memories of Tin Cup and Kingpin posters mm. both in my local movie theater yeah and I looked it up and they actually were out around the same time nice and it was like summer nineteen ninety six and so those two movies were always can like. Uh, I was confused the two. I thought, I thought Tin Cup was about bullying, <laughs> and Kingpin is about I don't know. I, I just I, th- I thought they were the same movie, and I think that like also I never understood the title Tin Cup. This is actually something that I, I just yeah. talked in the Bull Durham episode where like I didn't know like as a kid the title just I couldn't make sense of it. You know now yeah. I understand like you know it's his nickname like whatever I understand it, but. Um, it was just like, and you, was yeah, just you just said this, and I was thinking, I was like, I'm not sure it's a great title for the movie. Like, like, yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of why he's called Tin Cup. Funny, uh, yeah, yeah. nice little payoff that you don't get until ten minutes to go in the movie is when you finally find out why he's called Tin Cup. Yeah, and then, right, right, and and then the entire time you're just like, well, it's like they say Tin Cup about five hundred times in this movie. Yeah. It's not like it's not like they don't say it over and over and over again. Um, it it's it there. You know, tin and cup are close to being like cup is uh, golf vernacular, and you're like pen and tin. It's like tin cup is close yeah. enough where it makes sense. Yeah, and then, I think but, it's just like seven year old me just like not understanding. Yeah, language. yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And and like you said, it's a it's a nice it's it's a nice little payoff when you finally understand what it is. Yeah, it's a, but, it's, a it's a good title when when like. Because I feel like metaphorically, it's kind of a cool title for this character who's like kind of been like, you know, had a rough go of it, kind of yeah. been down, but ultimately is like, you know, he like, it's, well, this movie has, I think, my favorite kind of sports movie ending where it's like, it's a literal loss, but like a moral victory. Yeah. Yeah. That. The most moral of moral victories. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's such, such a sweet ending that you're not, that, like you said, not a, not a fairy tale ending, but one a very cool ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie, and I, I think your description of it as an easy watch, like it has that same like southern, you know, vibe to it. The music is very like calming. The performances are very charming, and you know, they're they're great performances, but they're also very like chill. You know, yes. like Rene like Rene Russo is like full charm offensive hard hard to like not fall in love with her um and i really enjoyed this movie and i'm really glad that um that you well that i guess that you suggested it and that and that you have such a passion for it such a love for it because it's really i i really i really enjoyed it a lot i Um, yeah i'll ride for this any day of the week yeah um do you remember the first time you saw the movie um like, uh I, i'm not sure i remember it specifically because it's um, like, one, like you were saying it's one of those you just seen like so many times it's like hazy in, in memory uh so uh, i remember during our tie me up tie me down episode that we did on yeah. this podcast i specifically mentioned so whenever there were movies i hadn't seen and i know they're rated r as a teenager, I would watch it and be like, is there nudity in this? Yeah. And and <laughs> I'll watch it all the way through waiting for nudity because I was a horny teenager. Yeah. And, and at, at the at the end, I'm like, well, there was Renee Russo in it. She was pretty. And I'm like, it was a good movie. So it was probably one of the like, I'm not sure I can I'm not sure I can say like this is the first time I watched it. But it was it was on so like it was one of those movies, like I lived overseas and one of those there are certain movies that were just on a lot 
for some reason. Yeah, like, yeah. like for some reason, they showed U.S. Marshals and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves constantly. And Tin Cup was on a lot. So whenever it was on, I was like, eh, you know, I saw this the other day. No nudity, but I guess I'll watch it again because it's golf. And yeah, so it, I don't necessarily remember the first time, but uh, it's it's, it, you know, it's kind of. It's funny looking back on it. I'm like, man, no wonder I watched it all the time. It was Rene Russo, who was like for your dad and Kevin Costner, who's for your mom. So yeah. <laughs> there's, it's like, if you're sitting there watching it, your parents aren't going to double take at it. They're going to be like, oh yeah. Like I'm on board with whatever you're seeing. Yeah. I I do want to talk about Rene Russo just because Please. I feel like she is underappreciated. I mean, I know she's been in so many amazing movies like, you know, she's in like Lethal Weapon, of course, uh, Tom's Crown Affair, you know, Ransom, which is another movie that I remember seeing all the time <laughs> on TV. Um, and you know, of course, now she's like, you know, well, she was in the Marvel movies. Um, so that's, you know, she is that too. Um, and, but I feel like it wasn't really until Nightcrawler that I was like, oh, wow, like she's like such an amazing actor. Um, and I mean, Nightcrawler is like, almost 10 years ago, but like, uh, I feel like that was such a like good like kind of reintroduction for her. Like I don't want to say comeback because I don't think she really really run anywhere. But like it was kind of that reminder of like yeah, like this woman that I kind of half remember from the '90s like is actually like a really like amazing star. And like watching this movie, it's like yeah, I mean I don't know how you could like her performance is so um, it's so measured, you know, very. I love the scene where um, he goes to where uh, Kevin Costner goes to her doctor's office to kind of ask her advice. And the way she just handles that kind of awkward situation is so <laughs> mature and professional and measured, but still very funny and still very charming. I mean, it's just like you can she, see how he looks at her and just like falls for her completely. And she has how, excellent yeah. comedic timing yeah, on yeah. everything she does. I mean, you know, what's funny. We don't give Renee Roos. We talk about like movie runs with actors and like Tom Hanks in the nineties and yeah, you know, yeah. all that. Kind of, we don't give Renee Russo enough credit because she had like a thing where she's like, I am going to be the attractively sexy woman. Who's who is in a, but is intelligent and is capable. And she had that, she had a run like, so this is her run from Lethal Weapon 3 in 1992. Lethal Weapon 3, In the Line of Fire, little cameo in Major League 2, Outbreak, Get Shorty, Tin Cup, Ransom. There's a movie called Buddy, which I've never heard of, but we'll I'll skip over that. Lethal Weapon 4, Thomas Crown Affair. That is yeah, an incredible run. Yeah. Like, just, just big hit after big hit after big hit. And you remember her. The funny thing is she's not really... You don't think of her as like a transformative kind of actress. She's like, she's pretty much Rene Russo. Yeah. But Rene yeah. Russo is that kind of care is, is that the character is she's she's never stupid. Mm -hmm. It's it's always it's that's always like even in something like Get Shorty, where she's kind of like supposed to be like this ditzy B movie horror actress. It's like she's you can tell she's just not dumb. And yeah. in no point in any movie she's ever in, she's like, she's stupid. And it's like, no, she's not. She is probably the smartest person in the room and always kind of conveys that. And like you said, in this movie, like it's actually one of the characteristics of her character is I am a psychologist in the middle of West Texas where psychology and, and this is the 90s this is not today where so you know the the actual idea of psychology and psychiatry is much more accepted in the mainstream mm -hmm. in the 90s that just wasn't the case it was kind of yeah. like a it was taboo yeah. and she comes in going like hey you should really think about these type of things and everybody kind of goes eh, i don't know what are, you, what are you doing here and but she's you know that's the other thing that this movie kind of does. That's kind of a little more surprising than you expect. It's like psychiatry is very much taken very seriously in this movie is sports psychiatry. And it's, it's an angle you don't really expect to see in a sports movie. And you're like, Oh, nicely, you know, a sports movie and a romantic comedy is like, no, no, no. But like the mental aspects of sporting take place in this and Rene Russo being the catalyst of all that and takes it all very seriously and gives that, gives that level of authenticity that, 
it, it, you, when you see Denise Richards in the world is not enough, you're like, she's not a nuclear physicist. Right. And, yeah. and Renee Russo as a, as a small town, West Texas uh, psychiatrist, you're like, I'm on board. I completely believe that this is the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think also because like, like in her first scene when she has all that like golf gear, that's pretty much useless, yeah. you know, yeah. like that's so funny and it's so, it's so endearing and it makes her somehow like that makes me more that that has me believe her more like all of her like credentials because like i mean i know people like that who are like extremely smart but then can get like i i i could appreciate that like she is watching the golf channel and because she's so smart and methodical that she's like okay here's all the gear that you need to become good at golf (laughs) you know yeah and there's so much and and golf golf being probably the one sport over others that has all that like mm-hmm. it has the the like okay this is the trick to make you good at golf and it's yeah like, yeah but the, because I, I especially in the 90s like i said like golfers just look like normal guys and yeah. it's like well they can do it i could probably do it too and you can't but the, all these companies kind of preying on that idea of like you could do it too if you just get this hat with the ball hanging down or if you get this this shoulder thing uh that keeps your shoulders st- and, and you know there are and i have I, I i'm a golfer i've been a golfer for 20 plus years i have so much crap like that i have i have a i have a mat that tells me where my trajectory is i have you know all the like i have all that that crap is so ubiquitous in golf it's mm. it's and it's like you said it's endearing though because you're like well she handles this in an analytical scientific kind of way she's like well yeah. there has to be a reason behind this right it's not just, yeah it's, and like you said it's, it's 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 immediately endearing and you're never not on renee russo's side you're yeah. always like yeah. whoever whoever guys she's I, I want her to be happy that from the jump yeah I, th- I think another really great scene is when she kind of it's kind of sad, but it's when she kind of realizes that, like, Don Johnson, who is her, like, current, you know, paramour, like, he kind of shows, like, the ugly side, and she just, mm. like, it's very subtle, but it's such a, like, your heart kind of breaks for her, and you're just, like, yeah, I'm rooting for her to get together with Kevin Costner, because, like, they're leads, but you're also just, like, as you're saying, you just want her to be happy, and I, I guess I, I, I really felt connected to her character and her performance, I think, probably because, like, she's you know because she was such a ubiquitous presence in the 90s I, when i was a kid kind of but i didn't really like like a lot of these like a lot of, like after i saw nightcrawler that was kind of like when i like put it all together like oh yeah like of course she was in ransom and outbreak <laughs> and um and you know yours mine yours mine and ours which is another childhood classic for me i mean i was i was probably like <laughs> 17 so i was probably too old for that movie when it came out but like that's the movie that i really liked as a kid or as a high schooler i guess it's uh, funny that that's always kind of the movie I'm like, oh man, she must have just like it there there's funny gaps in her movie career because like yeah. I said, from from Lethal Weapon two to uh Thomas Crown Affair, it was just yeah, like work, work, yeah, work, work, work. Yeah. And then like yours, mine, and ours happened and it kind of stopped until Thor. But yeah. at the same time, like I, I look at it and I'm like, man, she had such a run in the nineties, she probably doesn't need the money. And she's, you know, she's married to Dan Gilroy, the writer director of Nightcrawler. So it's not like, yeah. it's not like she has to, like, she's probably not hurting for cash. So I mean, she, this the advantage of, the advantage of being a star, star in the '90s. You probably have get to be picky, and if you have a bad, exp- I can't say that yours, mine, and ours was a bad experience, but it, but if you do have a bad experience, and they're like, well. I could take a step back because I can afford to. And then when yeah. you get back into it, you're in Thor, just getting a bag of cash for being on for 20 minutes. And then, and then, you know, then you get to make Nightcrawler with your yeah. husband. So, I mean, yeah. uh, I, I agree that Nightcrawler's the only time that she had the chance to do something interesting. Like, yeah, she's, she's much more than what she gets credit for. I, I look at, the Thomas Crown Affair is kind of the one that I see of her being different than what she's normally able to, what what she's normally yeah, visible yeah. as. Because, yeah. like, like I said, she's never really that kind of actress where you're like, oh yeah, she's you know, she's intelligent, she's sweet, she's sexy, but she's not like devious. And the Thomas right. Crown Affair is kind of the only time that 
kind of let her do that. And she stretched a little bit and it, it it's and Nightcrawler Nightcrawler being another great example of like this character is not one where you're like, oh, I'm on board with her. She's she's a she's a good person. It's like, uh, no, I don't I don't think she's a good person at all. in Nightcrawler like it's the, the every character in Nightcrawler just kind of lives in that gray area of like, yeah, are you a yeah. good person or bad person? And she fits perfectly into that uh, into that milieu, essentially. And I, I, I wish that I wish they had kind of given her more opportunities to just be she's really good in this type of role with Tin Cup with like that that the uh, the romantic interest, uh, the intelligent romantic interest who is beautiful. I mean, it's just like, it's just another example of like how we like this kind of movie just really disappeared, you know? And like, yeah, the, the romantic comedies, it's, it's not that romantic comedies are gone. Like they're on Netflix, of course, and other streaming services mm-hmm. they're on television. Um, and even some of them are being, you know, put in theaters and like, you know, they're, they're, you know, there's good ones out now. I don't want to say they're completely gone, but like, this kind of romantic comedy is missing. The, like intelligent, long, more character based, more, you know, wordy, kind of based around like, you know, a hook or a gimmick or like a theme, you know, where we have like, this is about golf, but yeah. it, we're using golf to like explore all these different types of characters and all their anxieties and all their, you know, you know, their mistakes and their redemption and stuff. And like, you know, like I think back to like, I mean, even like a movie like Broadcast News or mm. Moonstruck or, you know, like the Nora Ephron movies, like, you know, I, I watched a lot of Nora Ephron. I watched all of Nora, Nora Ephron's movies in the last, you know, few months. And sure. Like her movies were like prickly. They were a little, you know, what kids now would say problematic. They were like <laughs> twist, you know, they were a little, you know, a, a little thorny, you know, they kind of talked about real issues and didn't handle them in a very like, you know, kid gloves way. And I feel the same way about Tin Cup, but like even as, you know, easygoing as this movie is, um, or you like Bull Durham as well. Like it's, it talks about some pretty tough stuff. Like, you yeah. know, the, the, the psychology part of it, the, like the love triangle, the, like, you know, this idea, like, that he like at the end it's like everyone is cheering for him because he you know he lost but he won but he's like depressed about it and has to, you know it's like yeah yeah it's complicated it, there are no easy answers in movies like this and um i feel like actors like renee russo or you know michelle pfeiffer or julia roberts i mean like i mean they're working to some degree meg ryan you know they're working but it's like they're not even kevin costner like they're they're working but they're not like utilizing the full depths of their star power and their like not just charisma but like just like the the range that they can offer in a movie like this and like watching tin cup i'm like wow it's really missing nowadays it's funny what you said about like kevin costner being a great example of this of like nowadays of how like you know, not to not to pile on young kids, but like, let's say there's like yeah. a 20 year old who loves Yellowstone and he's yeah. watching Kevin Costner. He's like, oh, I like Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's this guy. And I'm like, Kevin Costner is not this guy. Like yeah, yeah. he is the, you know, charming asshole at uh, the misanthropic, you know, guy who never really got the chance, who is like, that's the Kevin Costner that I have I'm used to right, the Crash right. Davis, the the Tin Cup mackerel like that that's the that's the kind of guy like i think that's one of the things he does really really well yeah. casual asshole him assholeism i yeah. guess like like he's he's a he's kind of he's unorthodox he's messy he's all that but he's charming and he's handsome and he's laid back and relaxed and it's the I've talked about this on another podcast and I'm sure you have a thousand times on this podcast. It's all comes down to chemistry yeah. and the chemistry between him and Russo is undeniable. And that's the reason it works. And yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's tough to capture these days. And I guess it's, it's one of those things where people are just like movie uh, movie executives look at this and say they they see faces and they see names and they think this is what sells it and that's what they care about as opposed to the actual magnetism of the two people like it's supposed to be a romantic comedy 
the romance has to sell. It doesn't matter yeah. what the comedy mm-hmm. is. If you don't buy the romance, nobody's going to care. And if there's not the connection between the two, I don't know how you make that. Like, there's no formula. And if there was a formula, they would have fixed it a long time ago. There's a reason, you know, the Cary Grant, Irene Dunn's happen all the time because you want to repeat that because you have that chemistry. You're going to repeat it. The Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. Yeah. You yeah. have that. It's like, well, we f- we captured this lightning in a bottle. Let's keep going until the lightning runs out. And unfortunately, they 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 try a lot of pairings. And I know people are getting, so, you know, there's so much crap going about the uh, the new um, the Glenn Powell Sydney Sweeney movie. And yeah, but it's like, oh, they have no chemistry. It's like, well, we haven't seen the movie yet. I'm not saying they don't, but it doesn't seem like they do, and that's a problem. And it's not going to it's not going to fix. It's it's the classic Hollywood of like, oh well, we're going to fix the wrong. We're we're going to take the learn the wrong lessons. It's like, oh well, you know, Tin Cup worked because sports or Bull Durham worked because of sports, and like that wasn't the case. It's like it's it's all about chemistry and these people. Like baseball, and and I'm talked about in your Bull Durham episode. It's like. Baseball is almost a, it's like, it's the reason everybody kind of gets together. Just like 10 cup. It's the reason golf is the reason every, these characters meet, but it's not the driving force of the plot. Yeah. I mean, I also think that, um, I mean, this happened, of course, I'm sure in the nineties and eighties, like, it's not like, this is a new thing. So, Mm. but I also feel like nowadays, like actors are cast together just because like, they're both like attractive and yeah. like popular on yep. like social media versus like when you like when you look at Tin Cup or Bull Durham or, or like broadcast news like these are actors that are like real adults like you know they're Kevin Costner and Renee Russo, Renee Russo are both in their 40s mm-hmm. they like have lived a life you know before the movie starts and they are their their chemistry comes from yeah their natural you know charisma together but also from the fact that like they're speaking like actual dialogue not just yeah like, <laughs> on improv like yeah um you know like I I like Judd Apatow to a degree like I think he's made some good movies and I think mm-hmm. he has done a lot of good things but I also think that like his style of like improv and riffing has really hurt comedies yeah. Because, like, you know, like, you can have really funny people that are riffing on each other, but it it doesn't really, like, hold a candle to, like, actual dialogue that was written by a screenwriter, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it can work, but I think there's an over-reliance on that. Like, it's hard. Like, I don't want to blame Jed Apatow for that because, like, that's just, like, that was his thing. But then that sure. just became, like, the norm, I think, for a comedy or a lot of, like, the like that just happened kind of comedy and i think that just kind of took over um and but like when you look at the when you hear the dialogue in tin cup it's like you know the, the like the poetry you know scene yeah the, like you know i think the like <laughs> yeah. one of the i think it's such an amazing line that's like so simple that like i don't know how i like didn't hear it before but it's like sex and golf being like two things you don't have to be good at a classic you know, a classic like, that's, a that's, classic that's, golf line, line yes yes and like i just cannot imagine any like stand-up comic being able to come up with that in like take 12 of a scene <laughs> you know like yeah you know I mean? like um i don't know i just feel like there's just something that like you know like when you go back to like you know you're mentioning like irene dunn and you know Cary grant and all that or even like even going as like recently as like Crazy Stupid Love with like yeah. Ryan uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, like that was actual dialogue that they yeah. spoke together. Like that was written by someone, and they spoke it, and they like the dialogue, the chemistry was there in the dialogue. Because like I think chemistry, like I think that's a tricky thing to kind of codify because like you know someone can watch this movie and say that Rousseau and Costa don't have chemistry. I mean, I think I don't know how you could do that, but like it's sub- it's subjective. But I think sure. Chemistry can also be created through dialogue. And I think that like having someone like work and rework dialogue and having like edits and, you know, even some kind of changes on set, but like having that kind of thing of like having something written down, like I think provides a foundation for chemistry. And I think that like that can help actors kind of develop that chemistry. I think it's interesting what you said about, you know, 
Rene Russo was 42 when this movie came out and Kevin Costner was 41. Yeah. And, and being adults is interesting. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing I never thought about until you just said, like, like you said, not to, we're not trying to bash the Apatow films, but like the idea of the Apatow films is kind of like, we are in our thirties and early forties, but we're still children because we get to be children. Yeah. That's not what tin cup is. They're like, Especially like Rene Rene Russo is essentially uh, Molly is her character. Excuse me. Uh, essentially, she has to go like I'm an adult and I am with David Don Johnson's character because he's an adult yeah. and my her trepidations towards Roy is not because he is not handsome or not charming. It's like because he's not an adult yeah. and that's a lot of the, what the conflict comes from and like you said it's not every line is not one to try to get a big laugh there are some laugh parts but it's not like you're not going for the throat every single time trying for the you know the the wit sharp line that you're looking for that pops at the top of your head because of the hilarity of the situation it's like yeah no no, no it's just it's just dial like we're uh, like I, I look at that I look at that scene where Molly returns Roy's car and she finds him with all the golf stuff all over him and that's a re- kind of like inherently funny like charming scene but nothing there was no like line to point to besides like the spanking line and even that one's pretty kind of a throwaway yeah. like like it's just uh, oh my god uh, and then it's it's it, the dialogue is propulsive to the narrative not it's there's no there's no fat it's funny for a movie pl- two hours plus there's not a ton of fat on this movie it's like it, th- there's not like you you could take out little things here and there but it's not like it, it's not like well that would that scene didn't work or that it, yeah. it's all it's all narrative foundation mm-hmm. and moving forward it's and, and i think if there's a criticism of the apatel movies it's kind of just like free-flowing and yeah, yeah. it's 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 two twenty. It, you know, it's a two hour twenty minute movie filled to the brim with unnecessary jokes. Yeah, and uh, like it's like we'll take some of that back and just like have something happen as opposed yeah. to just banter back and forth. So yeah, it, like you said, it's it's dialogue written by people who seem like people and right. not and, and not yeah. stand up comedians. Like I, another little exchange that uh, I was just really i thought was so funny and clever it's just like really harkens back to like old school dialogue as like when you know i'm like tempted just to like you know act it out for you but it's the whole like the like unconsciously scene you know when um she's like uh he's like maybe unconscious maybe consciously you didn't mean it that way but how about unconsciously (laughs) you're the expert and she says, Roy, unconsciously, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I, I love that for two reasons. One, it's so funny and clever. Yeah. But, but the other one is that, like, one of my most annoying pet peeves, like, pet peeves about me that I think are annoying to other people is that the difference between subconsciously and unconsciously. <laughs> <laughs> because people mess it up all the time. And like, I yeah. understand, like, subconsciously, it's just not a word that has really entered, like, mainstream. Sure. Or, you know, and I understand, like, but it drives me crazy when people <laughs> subconsciously. Un- <laughs> yeah, it's so like it's my most like Dr. Fraser Crane pet peeve. Um, <laughs> but it's um, well that, and also when people say reactionary when they mean reactive, that's another one. Reactionary, um, okay. Because reactionary means like Republican and like conservative, but reactive is when someone is like like reacting, reacting to, something. to something. Interesting. Okay. You know? That's another one that like very obscure, but and you know, reactionary just has entered the lexicon as a with a different meaning, and that's fine. But um, (laughs) so just that whole exchange between the two of them is very funny. It's just like you know, you you read it out the page, and you can hear the like the the volume back and forth. You know, you know, it's it. And and you talked about broadcast news. I think it's an interesting comparison, not because of the not because of like the actual like it's people with jobs for one thing, and. You know, that's kind of the downside of, you know, Roy's thing is he doesn't really have much of a job. He works. He doesn't get much. I mean, he has to sell his. He has, yeah, he has to sell, sell it to his. Club, to, to his. his uh, uh, yeah. So, to, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, um, but at the same time, like, if you look at broadcast news and it's it's one of the greatest depictions of stupidity. 
yeah. in, in the history of film. And William Hurt's character is like, oh, he's an successful guy, so he's not. No, no, he's an idiot. He doesn't know, like, and there, and it's funny how they you're able to balance the difference between like successful stupidity and like uneducated stupidity. How Kevin Costner has, where he's laying down, he's like, you know, he and he has to put everything in golf terms and shanks and and you know, uh, uh, wicked mulligans, wicked, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like he 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 always put it in these kind of terms because that's what he knows. He's like. He wants to sound smart, so he'll put it in the only dictionary way he can think of. Yeah. And whenever he's like the unconscious, subconscious part, and it's like, it's like, dude, sh- shut up! Like, it's like you're, <laughs> you're, it's like you're a big old dum dum. But it's, it, but at the same time, the movie respects him in his craft for yeah. what he is. He, they, they're never. It's the the film never goes like, okay, he's stupid and he deserves the bad things that's happening to yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's always I'm always impressed whenever they're like you allow a character to be a be a dummy, but still have respect for that character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's the that's like one of the well, one of like the many 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 magic tricks that Brock has used is that yeah. like he might is that like William Hurt's character might not be the most book smart person, but he does have he does bring something to the table that the mm-hmm. other two characters don't or can't, yep. especially Albert Brooks. And I think that's yeah. the same way here where it's like, well, it's also like Renee Russo is realizing that her definition of an adult is evolving as she's getting yeah. to know him. Like, it's not just, I mean, it's a very like, it's I mean, God, not to bring it up again, but it's another Judd Apatow thing of like, <laughs> you're a man child because you play video games, not because you, and you have, when you become an adult, you work in an office and yeah. have a baby. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's sort of the inverse of that in Tin Cup where it's like, she's realizing that like the successful, you know, rich, you know, like put together guy is actually a jerk. Uh, yeah. Underneath the surface. And the guy who like can't even get dressed in the morning has heart and charm and and is funny and witty and is successful in 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 a different way. And I think it's a really mature way to approach how you yeah, yeah. H- how you uh, reassess relationships as you move forward. Like yeah. it's always kind of the thing about like, well, in high school and college, you're kind of just all vain and you care about the attractiveness and you know the the sexual aspects. And then as you get older, you're like, oh well, actually, I care about. Um, I care about, uh, you know, financial success and stability. And then, then eventually you grow just like, well, I just want somebody that I am comfortable with. And it's like that, that it's, it's kind of that in between of mm-hmm. from this financial stability to the comfort and just like, well, yeah. it's like, oh, well, we're financially successful. And so, well, who cares if I can't stand the guy and yeah, I realize yeah. he sucks and it's, it, it also, you know, I talk about the I talked about the respect for the dum dum of that is Kevin Costner, but also the respect for her to be like, oh, I've been it it it's it's not yeah, you had you've picked Don Johnson all these years and you've stuck along with him, but at the same time it's like it understands like the the movie respects her. It's not like, oh, you're you're stupid for picking him. It gives it gives her like it lets her have the past. It's like, no, no, it makes sense. Like he's He's a, he's an attractive guy. He's charming when he turns it on. I'm sure behind the scenes, he is. By the way, at no point is he mean to her. Yeah. He is 100. He never he never like looks like talks back at her. Never smacks or anything like that. That's a that's a very mature way of thinking about it. It's like he's just kind of a he's meaner to other people, not to her. She's he's per, Don Johnson is perfectly nice to Renee Russo the entire movie. It's like this weird inverse of like that, like um, the like uh, that like dating cliche of like, you know, oh, like if he's mean to you, but like nice to, or like I don't know, I'm trying trying to articulate it, but like I feel like he's nice to you, but mean to a waiter. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's like it's like that um, where it's like, well, or I mean, also like I've. Um, like I, I also that thing of like where like narcissists can like easily turn on the charm for like other people. Yeah. And they're like super, super like sweet and generous to like waiters and caddies or whatever. But then like 
they kind of, but then they like turn on you as you're dating yeah. them. And it's like, it's like the, it's like, yeah, the like kind of weird inverse of that, where it's like, he's a narcissist because like, he's actually super nice and sweet to her, but is like awful to like other people that are, that he thinks are low. And I, I, I actually really liked his character. Not I did like, too. in the sense of like, I found it really interesting because of that, that dynamic and just like, I mean, I think Don Johnson is kind of a really kind of cool actor. Like, I think so too. He's like, he, I think he brings some kind of like depth to like what could just be like the standard, like, you know, the wrong guy type. Um, and he's really I, funny too. I, I think he, I don't think he gets enough credit for, no. um, I think he's much more self-aware than we're all realized. Yeah. Like, I, th- I don't think he has any illusions about what he is trying to do. Like the interesting thing about it is like, it's like, okay, Don Johnson, you're going to be the asshole you know, the, the third wheel of the love interest that everybody like these two want to get together and you're the one standing in the way and you're a dick. It's like, yeah. okay, got it. Got it. But at the same time, he's like, well, I don't want to be mean to her. It's like, okay. Right. And also you're, he has a surprising amount of insecurity about his own abilities. Like he's a world-class golfer and he has no killer instinct. Like yeah. that's a fascinating little subplot in and of itself. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I, I he, the, and the, you know, that's the dichotomy, obviously, between the two, those two characters is that Roy is always the guy who's going to go for it. And David is the guy who is always going to play it safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, even, you know, it's, it's funny that has that it's that, you know, David is all it, that, that's kind of translates to Molly. It's like, well, I'm going to play it safe. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, do anything to jeopardize this and uh, jeopardize this relationship. And Roy is like, no, 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 I'm going to go in head first and and put myself on the line. And eventually that comes around to her side of thinking. Uh, so she's like the, the recklessness of it all. It's not necessarily recklessness. It's more like the sheer romanticism of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as, as opposed to, as opposed to just like the rote, like, you, you think of it, it, it it's it's kind of it's it's kind of a cliche and and a little uh, obscene but you know like you think of the um sexual aspects of it you probably think it's like well Roy's probably a tiger in bed because he takes chances and right. then but at the same time you look look at David and it's like David's probably like a meat and potatoes kind of guy it's like he's a, not not gonna do it not gonna you know it's not gonna be bad but it's not gonna set your world on fire that yeah, kind of yeah difference yeah. between the two no I hear that and like I think this movie really showed me sort of like the romanticism of golf through this lens of like taking chances versus like playing it safe. And like, Mm. like as as, you know, as we see with the ending, it's like, you want, it's like you want to take that chance and like really, I mean, I feel like Roy does that throughout the whole movie where he takes all these chances on Mm. himself, even if he's doing it begrudgingly or doesn't quite know how it's going to turn out, but like he does it uh, with, he does it with Molly several times in the movie and he does it at the end. And it's just so like, yeah, like you might not make the shot or you might not get the girl, but you know, it's, you tried, you tried. And that to me, that's more, that's so valuable because that shows a, a strength to be able to like face rejection is such a strong point. I mean, I really like, that's why I love endings like this because it's like, it shows that like, Taking the chance is really, you know, it's it's its own victory. I think. So, the, the, in this, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about those golf scenes. This is one of my. Tin Cup is the only film I've ever seen that understands the competition of professional golf. Mm. And like there have been, you know, you get the Happy Gilmore's and the 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 certain, you know, uh, Legend of Bagger Vance and stuff like that. And you, like there are golf movies where they're like, there's competition. And it's just you and the other guy, or like the the greatest game ever played, which is solid. Yeah, that's one Probably. I remember watching as a kid too. So, solid, yeah, solid movie. Like, and, and you get the competition of the person next to you, and you have it in Tin Cup with you know with Roy and David next to each other playing back and forth, and obviously across the four rounds. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about it is the guy that wins the tournament is a hole ahead, and the way golf works is sometimes you don't play with the people you're playing against. And Kevin Costner, the whole time, the reason he has to go for it is he's not playing against David. He's playing against the guy in front of him who was already in the lead. So it's the only time I've ever seen a film that understands that competition side of golf, that 
it's not just the one guy you're playing against. You're playing against the whole field. And there's a guy in front who's playing the game, the the round of his life. He's a shot ahead of you, and or you're a shot ahead of him, and you're not playing against David. David David didn't win. David got second. Like yeah. they, the guy in front of you got the, uh, and it's the and during that whole round, he's looking front, seeing him tee off, seeing where he's doing. Is he laying up? Did it like it's it's the only time I've ever seen that kind of encompassing of a competition aspect of sport and the going for you know obviously it ruins it 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 ends up being the his downfall is like nobody's ever gotten 10 under in the open not even nicholas and it's like well it's like it's like just just don't you want to win the tournament like and and that's the that's the difference that's the difference between the two personalities and it'll never change um yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think it's really spot on, um, and it really resonates. Um, and I, I do want to kind of switch to talk about the cinematography of this movie because I okay, thought it was yeah. like it's it's uh, Russell Boyd. Um, very like I mean, done a lot of like classic movies like Picnic and Hanging Rock, probably one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, like that movie is just like. So and he's worked with Ron Shelton a few times. Uh, oh my god, he shot Operation Dumbo Drop, a movie that I've seen <laughs> a, a classic times man. A child when I was classic. like eight years old or whatever. I watched it. Yeah. I watched it at a birthday party of a friend of mine when I was like six or seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> a, an insane movie, by the way. And like, you look back on it and you're like, man, I bet you there's some problems on that set. Dennis Leary and Ray Liotta in the '90s with Danny Glover. It's like and an elephant. Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, what a mess that must have been. But anyway. I, yeah, but a very. I mean, apparently it's not well respected but a very important movie for me as a right for but, it. Uh, yeah yeah but i mean i just like his again like his capturing of this like kind of hot summer in the south and like um i mean just the close-ups of Rene russo alone i'm just like how can you just not <laughs> like take your heart out and give it to her you know yeah they, there's a they, you gotta you gotta you gotta pour one out for a guy who understands what he has with golden hair yeah exactly. like he's just like yeah. oh he's like hey west you know I live. I lived in West Texas for a lot of years. It's not a whole lot out there that that is interesting to look at. Yeah. And he found like, even if you look at the poster of Tin Cup, the poster itself is like warm hues. It's yeah. just like golden. It's like, like golden hour look. It's like golden hour. Yes, that look. So golden hour captured it. Yeah, exactly. And that entire like that scene I said where where Rene Russo goes to take back his car and then they go to like a a lake and then they're driving it's like that entire sequence is so beautifully yeah, warmly shot yeah i thought that scene was so romantic and because of the lighting and just the, the mm-hmm. music and um yeah like this movie is one of those movies that just feels like everything just kind of plays against each other or plays off each other yep. and kind of creates this like whole like there's really nothing I mean at least for me and maybe because i was just so like it was my first time watching it and i was just so like charmed by it but like there's nothing for me that feels out of step for this movie like all the supporting characters feel very like believable and real you know the love triangle feels very authentic to me and feel it very emotional the golf scenes i mean they i don't know golf as well but i i really did appreciate them and they felt very authentic looks authentic we haven't Um, talked about we haven't talked about my favorite performance in this movie and that's cheech marin yes yes Cheech is so good in this movie like yeah you know, it's it's funny to have such a like in, in this movie. You kind of like okay, I, I you know you got the Costner doing what he does well, Rene Russo doing what he does well, Don Johnson doing what he does well. Cheech is an entirely different. It, it's it's unexpected. You're like I know what I'm getting from Cheech Marin. Generally, you think of the Cheech and Chong of it all, and he's just really this really interestingly well formed character, and uh, you know. You could say it's a. It, it, you could argue it's a romantic comedy about him and Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. like it's just uh, uh, friendships that are more than friendships, but obviously not in any sort of sexual way. In this case, uh, and then you know that's you know of, of the ending. That's probably one of the best payoffs for me. Is is you know Romeo gets his little uh, gets his little send off in the best possible way. Gets the yeah. Uh, gets the wonderful Linda Hart also, also like you said all these supporting characters nobody like it just fills out the 
the the edges with a little more lushness that you don't expect in a type of movie like this. Like a movie star driven movie, you're like, okay, we focus on the movie stars and that's what we care about. And this, they're like, no, 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 we're gonna give everybody some everybody some substance. You got, you know, Linda Hart obviously playing. It's like my guy, uh, but Dennis Buckley uh, as uh, as Earl. The uh, when he gets to fill in as the caddy and then can't carry his clubs for the last couple. Yeah. Of, uh, it's great. Um, yeah. You know them them sitting in there arguing about a Waffle House in in Midland and Odessa and you know that random stuff or uh, all that. It's just it just it means absolutely nothing and adds so much to the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, even the um, even the little subplot we mentioned earlier about him selling his club to, or like having to give yeah. his club to uh, Linda Hart. Like, I mean, it's like such a random little detail that's like doesn't need to be there, but it's just like it really builds on this. You know, it just builds the the character, builds this little like world that he's kind of built for himself in this like rundown town where. I think a really funny throwaway scene is when she's like on the phone with him, but then telling, um, telling her like employees that they have to like wear big makeup and big hair. <laughs> um, and she, I think the line that I thought was really funny is when she's like, you know, oh, your look is cute, but like people come here for one reason or like that, or, like <laughs> something like that. It's just very funny and just like adds just like some color to this where it's like, yeah, like it feels like a real town and yeah i really it, like that it's like i, I am a I, I consider myself a uh, expert in uh, small town small crap town texas and it's it's uh i don't i don't believe salome texas is a real place i don't think um if it is i uh, it you know it's kind of a stand-in it says it's over by floyd data it's not uh that's if it is it's not doesn't exist anymore whatever anyway but like these small town texas these small texas towns are just like so non-judgmental about everybody who has been there for as long as they have yeah. like like oh roy is a uh, is the club pro who works at a uh, who owns a driving range with romeo and everybody goes yep and don't don't think twice about it it's just like oh he used to be married to uh, to the head stripper over at the strip club which everybody frequents nobody cares like yep that's it. it's just kind of like the atmosphere and idea of just like random small town without like it's like I said again the the film this film has respect for everybody mm-hmm. every character it's just like no no they they they're they're fully formed they're not throwaway characters they they have lives outside of what we're seeing on the film and there's there's something happened before there's going to be something happening after it's it's very rare for a film like this to fill in all those gaps like normally you just have the random guy who shows up and it's like well who are you it's like oh i'm so-and-so's brother for plot purposes and that's that doesn't happen like these people have been like who's the guy who's the caddy after romeo quits well it's earl because earl's always been there earl's earl hangs around all the time so it it all makes sense for all of this and all those little things in the funny lines the funny lines make sense in the context of the film. It's not just a yeah. funny line to be a funny line. Right, right. Um, this movie has a lot of cameos from people that oh, yeah. I didn't quite recognize, but I imagine are very important. Was there anyone that you were like really excited to see? Uh, young, young Phil Mickelson is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's always a good one. My uh, my guy. Um, one of my like when I talked about like golfers being out of shape, uh, Craig Stadler is my guy. Uh, Craig, St- Craig Stadler is the one I'm like, he's the star- like when you think of like differences between golfers, it's Craig Stadler and Tiger Woods because Craig Stadler is probably 260 and you know, that uh, bald head or that, that, you know, goofy old, you know, like uh, kind of comb over ish, losing your hair, hairstyle, yeah, yeah. mustache. And then he's like, he like is like, it, 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 there's a that little scene there at the end where he he's talking to Renee Russo and Linda Hart and it's like, and she's like, uh, it's like I do a couple. Oh yeah, I don't think about it. Like like he's like he's kind of not a bad actor like <laughs> for being an actual golfer. Like yeah. <laughs> Craig Stadler was a real like. It, it's not like he was some random dude. It's like no no no. He was on the PJ tour for years. He made plenty of money, and um 
you know, it's it's so funny still having Jim Nance around, still calling U.S. Opens to today as the announcer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I recognize him for sure. Yeah, and then, uh, you, uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, man, uh, McCourt, my guy McCourt, uh, the 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 essentially the sideline reporter with the big goofy mustache um the when you so whenever kevin coster hits or roy hits that uh ball and he hits it off the outhouse and the guy goes it's like he's no chance he's like he's like 20 but 100 bucks says i get it on the green from here it's like 100 you're on well, that guy's a real sideline rep- or golf sideline oh, reporter wow. and I, I love mccourt mccourt's great uh it's it's it's, it's this is a film that understands golf and is in that world. It's not like, yeah. oh, we're going to throw this person in here and here. It's like, no, no, no. We understand all this. And uh, the, I, I forget who it was. But like I said, uh, Roy finished, didn't, uh, uh, David didn't finish first in the US Open. The guy that won had never actually won a major. And he said, I still don't get my trophy for that. He's mad that he he won the US Open in 10 Cup, but never won one in real life. And oh. he, was, he was half upset about it. But yeah, yeah. It's like those little those little cameos are always fun just just to have them in there and it, it, it's it's it gives you a little more authenticity it's not like it, it you know in major league you don't really see any actual major leaguers and it's kind of like the rundown of it but it's like it's it's not not a bash on major league it's just kind of like this is so like golf is such an insular world especially at this time like there's not a whole lot of people in this club and that's the reason the roy's the outsider because it's like they don't let a whole lot of people in here and yeah it's it's uh it's something that you you were talking about the golf scenes. I'm really I, I was really impressed with Don Johnson and Kevin Costner's perceived ability to look like professional golfers. Mm-hmm. I, I was really impressed with it and the scenes and how they're shot and the shots and the realism of the shots. It's not like you know no hole there were there weren't holes in ones except for the obviously the last one being not really a hole in one. But I mean like the the aspect of hitting it somewhere like. It's it's very, it's very inside. Part of the quote: "Inside baseball for golf, <laughs> right?" But but uh, but at the same time, accessible to people who don't re- aren't really that big golf nerds. I mean, you know, I'm not that good at you know knowing the difference as much. But it felt like they were the ones in camera doing yeah. a lot of the felt the that shots. way. Yeah, uh, maybe that's a really good camera trickery, but it felt authentic, and I feel like. I, I think I appreciate this movie for it being very, as you're saying, like authentic to like golf as a sport, as a culture, as a, you know, a light as a, as like an American pastime. Like mm. it feels like, I, and I'm glad that it feels that way to someone like you that actually really appreciates golf, professional like professional golf, and and that like knows knows what they're talking about when it comes to the sport because like. It's kind of cool that this movie exists as like you know the golf movie of all the golf movies out there. And I would say I would say it is the like it's funny because the two go- like if you ask like a golfer is like what are the two golf movies that are like authentically like great golf movies? Um, it'll essentially be like well this and Happy Gilmore, but Happy Gilmore being a joke, like yeah, like, yeah. It, it, but obviously like the you know. I would argue. I would argue probably that most country club owners or or you know groundskeepers hate Happy Gilmore just because of how many you know running starts they get and then shanked balls. But I mean, right, like, right. Like it, 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 Tin Cup is it's kind of the standard that I, it's not been close to being beat. I mean, the greatest game, the greatest game ever played is probably close. Like it's it's a good golf movie and it's it's a true story, obviously based on like it's it's not really golf's kind of like the secondary to this, but I mean right. like 10 cups, it's too uh, like the greatest, greatest game ever played is more like less available. This is much more mainstream. Yeah. And this is much more like, okay. And it's also like golf's an adult move is an adult sport. Like mm-hmm. kids, kids can play it, but like generally it's, it's a scene. Senior citizens play it probably more than anybody else casually. Right. Like, and this is an adult movie. Like, you have two 40 year old leads. All the characters are in their forties or fifties and they're acting like adults. They curse. They, you know, all, all like the, this is not a young person movie. This is a, this is a movie of adults acting like adults. And it says something about that, that it's in de- it's endeared because of that exact reason, because it's not like 
It's not some fantasy of kids doing this. It's like, oh, it's an adult making this making this step in his 40s. It's like that's a rare thing to like be able to have that kind of second career essentially after toiling away for all those years. I totally agree and I think that is one of the I think one of the major major charms of the movie um and I think that's a really great place to kind of wrap up here do you have any kind of last minute um like scenes or moments or lines you wanted to just give a quick shout out to uh that we didn't mention or anything uh, that you want well, to I, I wanna, highlight I want to shout out a uh, uh, longtime character actor that guy uh Michael Milhone mm. uh who you don't know the name Michael Milhone. Google it. You see the guy. You're like, oh yeah, Michael Milhone. Never known his name before. It's it's definitely one of those. It's the guy. It's the guy who owns the golf course who he plays uh, golf against with uh, with a with a rake and a hoe and uh, and a you know um, uh, a shovel and uh, it's one of those like a classic like '90s guy '90s character actor who worked hard all through the '90s and you're like. Oh yeah, he was in Crimson Tide and Executive Decision and Field of Dreams and Pearl Harbor and yeah. Tin Cup. It's just like you see him in all these kind of things, and it's like I love those guys from the '90s, where you're like the uh, you know the Lane Smiths and the uh, all the all those guys who are just like random guys who worked their asses off during the nineties and then just make the indelible impression. And you see their faces and you never know their names. So shout out Michael Milhone. Yeah, love that. Um, and uh, Ben, please tell us where uh, where we can find you, what you're working on, and about your amazing podcast that I'm such a huge fan of. Well, you should be a huge fan of it, especially your uh, your episode because you're really good on it. Um, uh, target audience podcast. I invite a uh, I invite uh, a, usually a friend of mine who uh, comes on to talk about a movie they are targeted by, and uh, it's a podcast about empathy. So they talk about how much they love it, and I uh, kind of get on their level about it. Like um, generally, it's it's nice to have a podcast where you invite somebody on and they're really happy about a movie as opposed to like, oh, we're talking about we're talking about uh, Olsen twins movies. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so and then she's like, well, I hate this, but that's yeah, the, so, yeah, that's yeah, the best so, kind of podcast. Yes. Know. The best kind of podcast where, where you're actually happy about the movie. Uh, yeah. You can find it on uh, Twitter at target odd pod uh, target audience at all platforms. Uh, Manish uh, was on for the uh, fourth episode and uh, we talked about American Psycho, obviously a movie that is specifically catered towards you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, got a bunch of episodes coming out there. You can also find me at icecreamforfreaks.com. Doing all my writing it is the end of December. Therefore, I am busy as hell with every possible review possible. Yeah, uh, I think I have, I think I have three to four reviews coming out every week till the end of the year. Wow. Um, yeah, it's 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 this is a hell time to be a movie critic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Neb has been on uh, Letterbox and Neb has been on Blue Sky. Neb has been Instagram Neb dot is been because somebody stole my username. But um, uh. yeah. Find me out there, and I'll probably tweet at you if you, I'm not that interesting, but whatever. Yeah, no, very interesting. Of course you are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, big fan of the podcast. A lot of great guests. You know, you recently had our mutual friend Shoria on there talking about yes. uh, The Dark Knight Rises, I believe. He was very yeah, excited so. about it because yeah. it's like, yeah, this that's the other thing. It kind of gives people the opportunity to highlight films they don't think that the rest of the world got a chance to talk about and yeah just great time talking about uh dark knight rises yeah um you can find me on twitter at vertigate 314 also uh you can follow the podcast at the positive you please remember to rate review and subscribe to the show ben thank you so much it was such a pleasure to be able to watch tin cup finally and knowing the difference between tin cup and kingpin um, I guess I should watch it's my Kingpin. pleasure. Um, but yeah, thanks yeah. so much. It was such a such a lovely movie. Highly recommend people seek it out if you have not watched it or watch it again if you had only seen it back in the nineties. Um, listeners, thanks for listening. 